Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. We knew that Donald Trump was going to win in New Hampshire, although many people are surprised to see the margin by which Donald Trump won by. Nikki Haley actually scored a lot of votes. The big story, however, is that Donald Trump has shattered the record for most votes received in a New Hampshire primary. So how could it be that the margin of victory was small when Donald Trump broke a record? Democrats are cheating. Now, a lot of people have pointed out to me that Rush Limbaugh had a similar plan back in 2008. I don't know a whole lot about it. Never really followed Rush Limbaugh. He encouraged Republicans to vote in Democrat primaries. Again, not super familiar with it, but many people have brought this up to me. I'm not a fan of the tactic. I think it is manipulative. I think it is cheating. I believe it is dishonorable. And this is what Democrats are doing right now. The reason why Nikki Haley was able to score so many votes in a New Hampshire primary for the Republican Party is because admittedly, Democrats were claiming to be undeclared going into the Republican primary and voting for Haley. And even on one video, a man says it is intentionally to sabotage Republicans. Why? Because Republicans won't vote for Nikki Haley. That's the plan. If Nikki Haley wins the primary, these people say they vote for Joe Biden. And because Republicans don't want Nikki Haley, Joe Biden will win. Cheating. These are people that scream our democracy over and over again while actively trying to subvert the democratic elect election process. Now, I know we're not a democracy. I don't like democracy. We are a constitutional republic with democratically elected representatives. Democrats in the minority are claiming they are defending democracy from fascists or whatever, while actively seeking to imprison the front runner of the 2024 race, while trying to destroy the actual election process. It's amazing isn't it? Let's take a look at the news, though. We have got a response from Donald Trump, a response from Nikki Haley, who I, I have to imagine will drop out. Now, of course, she's claiming, wow, I did so well in New Hampshire. The race is not over. But come on. She's not going to be able to hold up in South Carolina. She'll get trounced. And not every state is going to allow something dirty like this. CNN, of course, we have to give credit to CNN, is lying. Caitlin Collins, one of the most despicable people, you know, I, I got to wonder if the Daily Caller ever regrets hiring such a dis despicable person. She claims, of course, Democrats can't vote in a Republican primary, blah, blah, blah. You see, this is what the media does. They use technicalities to manipulate you. Democrats can't vote in a Republican primary. Well, that's in, 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 in a form, formal sense. If you are a registered Democrat, that is correct. But if you are literally just a Democrat voter, who changes your party affiliation, you can. And we have video, I believe it's even from CNN, where a person admits to doing this. Quite remarkable, is it not? First, 
Let's give Trump credit where it is due from the post millennial. They report President Donald J. Trump scored a decisive victory on Tuesday night in the New Hampshire in New Hampshire and also set a new record. Renowned pollster Rich Barris points out Trump demolished the record for most votes ever cast for a presidential candidate in a, in a New Hampshire primary. The record was previously held by Bernie Sanders in 2016. In 2016, Sanders received 152,193 votes, crushing Hillary Clinton. At the time of publication, 152,565 votes were cast for President Trump, with 13% of the votes yet still to be tallied. Trump triumphed over his only remaining competitor, Nikki Haley. This win serves to further solidify Trump's position as the undisputed frontrunner in the race in the GOP's 2024 presidential nomination. Well, let's not waste any time, my friends. Donald Trump is not just the front runner for the GOP primary. There is no GOP primary. Republicans overwhelmingly support Donald Trump and Nikki Haley is being propped up by Democrats in a total scumbag move. Now, here we have from the Wall Street Journal. This is Trump defeats Haley in New Hampshire primary live results. And as we can see, tremendous news for Donald Trump currently sitting at 163,716 votes with 92% total votes reporting. We are hearing from various exit polls, 70% of the voters were, were Democrat. They were independent Democrat or Demo uh, Democrat voters. I want to I play a video for you. I think I might have, uh, where, where's this video? Charlie Kirk calls this one the smoking gun. A video clip from CNN where a man admits to being a Democrat attempting to sabotage the election. My friends, Democrats are cheating. Okay, let me explain. L let me play the video for you. And then I will talk to you about what it means to cheat versus what we should actually expect in an election and my views. Here's the clip. Nikki Haley. And why did you vote for Nikki Haley? Uh, it's a vote against Trump. Um, I think it would be better to have her against Biden in the uh, elections than it would be Trump in her. Do you consider yourself generally independent, Republican, or Democrat? Uh, Democrat. So when you undeclared, you voted for Nikki Haley. If it was Nikki Haley against Joe Biden in a general election, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. What is the... You heard Nikki it right Haley. there. This guy says he voted for Nikki Haley. He considers himself a Democrat. And that if it comes to Nikki Haley versus Joe Biden, he will vote for Joe Biden. Charlie Kirk says smoking gun. CNN has a New Hampshire voter who is voting for Nikki Haley in the GOP primary and will switch his vote to Joe Biden in the general election. This is an outrage. This must be fixed immediately. This is cheating. But I want to make sure something is very clear to you. It's cheating in the own, only the most formal sense. It's politics in every other sense. Many people say that in 2020, Donald Trump was cheated. The election was stolen from him. And uh, yeah, it, it was right. But what does that mean? I am not saying widespread fraud or Chinese ballots or Dominion voting systems. By, by all means, adjudicate, investigate. There are a lot of weird things about 2020. And I, I take issue with a lot of how these things were run. No, no, no. But stolen in the colloquial sense just means it was his to lose and he, he was he was set to win. Donald Trump received more votes than any sitting president in the history of this country. yet still lost. Why? Well, it was rigged. But what does that mean? 
There's an article published by Time magazine called The Shadow Campaign. Let me let me make sure I pull this one up because uh, I know the media is going to have a field day with it. And you know what they're going to do is they play this game where I already mentioned, you know, Caitlin Collins, Democrats can't vote in these elections. What they'll do is they'll say Tim Pool claimed the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. Then they'll go on to say there was no evidence of fraud, blah, blah, blah. Despite the fact I'm saying I'm not saying that's the case. I'm making an argument that Donald Trump was poised to win. Sure, there were problems with COVID, but the economy was doing really, really well. People supported him more than than, uh, the first time around. However, Time Magazine points out there was a shadow campaign, which they refer to as a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes to save the election from Trump. Prominent business, NGO and political leaders colluded, conspired. That's Time Magazine's words. Now, my, my point is this. I will clarify. I do not believe the election was stolen from Donald Trump. I am saying Time magazine says it was stolen from Trump, that a conspiracy unfolded behind the scenes to stop Trump from winning. How could they dare say such a thing? Hmm. The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. What a remarkable thing to write about. That the people in this country who wanted Donald Trump were the villains 70, what is it? 72, 73 million people. So if we're speaking colloquially, what does it mean that the election was stolen or rigged? And, and, and what does any of this mean? OK, let's break this down. Politics is always cheating. There, there's no fair politics. Sorry. If you think we have elections where two candidates step up to a, to a soapbox and say, if you vote for me, I will give you ABC. And the other politician goes, well, if you vote for me, I'll give you XYZ. And then everyone decides which is best for this country. You're a child. That's not how elections work. Unfortunately, I do think many conservatives thought that's how elections would work. And they believe currently that's how elections will work. Despite the fact that people have pointed out to me, and I I don't know much about it, that Rush Limbaugh wanted people to go and vote in Democrat primaries. Yeah, dirty politics is the name of the game. And stealing power is how it's done. So I say it's cheating. I say it's rigged. But I also say it's politics as usual. It's getting a little bit more intense these days, what with the violence and all. But if you expected a clean bout, as described with the soapbox scenario, you're naive. It is going to be the dirtiest game you've ever seen. And everybody knows. I mean, if if you were to compare this to like a wrestling match, both sides are hopped up on every amphetamine and upper and steroid and blood doping imaginable. And everyone's just kind of like looking the other way like, hey, this is normal. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. They are going to do everything in their power to prevent Donald Trump from winning because they don't believe in democracy and they have no they have no morals. It is an amorphous ideological group adherent only to the dominant structures. I refer to it as an ant mill, of course. An ant mill is when ants form a circle and then march to their deaths, just looping around over and over and over again. 
Now let's get to the news and figure out where we're heading with this. Nikki Haley congratulates Trump on New Hampshire win, challenges him to a debate. Why? Nikki Haley, look, I'll give her some some benefit of the doubt. I will. I will. I don't like her. Michael Mouse called her a witch. That was funny. <clears throat> there was a post and it said like Salem is is cheering or Salem is in uh, uh, is, is in uproar over Nikki Haley or whatever or something is like that's because she's a witch. Nikki Haley is stealing a bunch of money from Democrats. So I'm kind of like, hey, whatever, I guess I want to wait and see what she does with it. Right now, Democrats are donating Nikki Haley who can't win. And this may, in essence, siphon off a bunch of Democrat donor funds, which can then be used for the Republican race. So I don't know. We'll see. But she challenges Donald Trump to a debate. It's a tremendous waste of time. Nikki Haley says, I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it. And I want to acknowledge that. She adds, New Hampshire is the first, is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. The race is far from over. The race is over. And this is so infuriating. It really, really pisses me off. The race is over. We know it's over. It is a waste of time that she is even engaging in this. I want to talk about Carrie Lake and the leaked audio where a guy fears he's going to be assassinated after he tried to bribe Carrie Lake. And this morning, as I'm looking over the news, man, I'm like, Trump broke a record for the most amount of votes. This is the top story. The more interesting story, however, is the conspiracy from the deep state powers or back east, that guy calls it. But instead, because of Nikki Haley's scumbaggery, here I am talking to you about this instead. All right, all right, all right. Fair point, fair point. Trump takes the cake. Trump doesn't need to have this primary. He shouldn't need to have this primary. RNC should just say, okay. And Ronna McDaniel is now saying, Nikki, get out. But who cares? Because Trump won. Trump hits Haley after her New Hampshire defeat. Quote, wow, she's doing a speech like she won. What is going on? I don't know that Nikki Haley can muster anything else out of this. People have pointed out that sure, New Hampshire allows these Democrats to pretend to be Republicans, but other states aren't going to allow that. Certainly Democrats could have changed their party affiliation. But if you couldn't win this way in New Hampshire, you ain't going to win this way anywhere else. Basically, the entirety of the Republican Party in North Carolina, I'm sorry, in South Carolina, has already endorsed Donald Trump. I don't know what Nikki Haley is doing, except perhaps siphoning money off Democrats to enrich herself. I'm not a campaign finance person. I don't know exactly what you can do with campaign donations. But talking to Roger Stone, he said, you can use it for any legal purpose. There are some limitations. And so I have to wonder, Nikki Haley exits this race with what, millions of dollars? And what can she do with it? I suppose she can use it to run for elections in other places or give it to the RNC or who knows. It would be remarkable if she gave the money to Democrats. That would be interesting. Former president noted his Tuesday night victory was his third New Hampshire primary win following his initial 2016 presidential bid. Quote, wow, she's doing a speech like she won. He said of Haley, she didn't win. She lost. Trump noted Haley's remarks following last week's Iowa caucus, in which she claimed the election results narrowed the Republican primary down to a two-person race. That's fascinating. Ron could not win in New Hampshire because Nikki Haley only got Democrat votes. Ron wasn't going to get Democrat votes. Fascinating, isn't it? Trump noted Haley's remarks following last week's Iowa caucus. Last week, we had a little bit of a problem. 
If you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she she won Iowa. I looked around and I said, didn't she come in third? Then I looked at the polls. She was talking about most winability, he said. We have won almost every single poll in the last three months against crooked Joe Biden. Almost every poll. And she doesn't win those polls. And to be fair, she does. She wins some of them. The former president said Haley's remarks were not your typical victory speech, adding Haley had a very bad night. Now, what I find fascinating is that there are many Ron DeSantis people who are calling for scorched earth. They are tweeting about how they will never vote for Trump and they're going to do everything in their power to make sure Trump loses. This is exactly why we were all correct when we said Ron DeSantis's base is bad. Do not support Ron DeSantis. And we were all proven correct. I just want to say this for everybody who is a post-liberal, disaffected liberal, moderate, libertarian-leaning individual, those who are not the staunchest of Trump supporters, not diehards. There are a lot of people who are like, I'm Trump no matter what, Vivek. And I'm like, I'm for the best candidate happens to be Trump. But Trump can do wrong and Trump should be criticized. But there are are culty people. Whatever, man. I'm glad uh, they're for Trump. I don't care. They can be as culty and creepy as they want. Trump's the right guy for the job. But there are a lot of people who lose their minds. And now there are these DeSantis people who are tweeting about how they will go scorched earth to make sure Joe Biden beats Donald Trump. That exemplifies everything about what was wrong with DeSantis campaign and those who are supporting him. These are desperate, emotional, angry people who operate on the same frequency as wokeness. They don't care about what's true. They don't care about what's right. They don't care about what's best for this country. They care about emotional satisfaction. And we've long seen this. There are people who suffer the same, let's call it malignancy of emotional uh, dispossession that uh, support Donald Trump. Fervent, rage-filled, emotional people. Donald Trump is the logical choice for any sane person. Me, I think Donald Trump's got character defects. I think he is uh, far from perfect. I think some of his foreign policy was bad, but his foreign policy was a net benefit and a net positive for this country. His economic plans were a net positive for this country. And therefore, logically speaking, he is the best choice for the American people. It is, it is, it is factual, as far as I can tell. I think there's, I, I have long had an emotional uh, uh, reaction against Trump's behaviors that I feel like he's, he's off-putting to many people, and that's a risk for us. But logically speaking, uh, I think he's the right choice. And emotionally speaking, there are many things that are, they give me great satisfaction when Trump wins. So I'm not all just like, oh, Trump bad. No, no, I I think Trump is funny. I think Trump does good things. Trump gives me a bit of schadenfreude when he defeats uh, the corrupt and the people, uh, you know, he brings accountability or, or he pushes for it. I like those things. But these people right now tweeting about how because DeSantis lost, they will, these never Trumpers. Same game we saw in 2016. These are bad people. Ronna McDaniel wants Nikki Haley to drop out. And she should. And everybody should get behind Donald Trump. I'm going to give a shout out to the best DeSantis supporter we've, we, we had and a friend, Will Chamberlain, because Will exemplified the best of the DeSantis base. He was smart, calm, articulate. He engaged in real conversations and real debates. And he announced he will be backing Donald Trump because he's not a child. And uh, that's why I think Will is great. He's a good dude. And so with that, it's unfortunate that they did not give Will a more prominent position within the DeSantis campaign, because I truly believe Ron could have done substantially better 
had they had someone like Will helping lead the charge. But instead, they went with Christina Peshaw, who was a vile, angry person on par with the other vile, angry Trump supporters. And they all claimed Trump supporters are nasty and, 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 and vile. And I'm like, yeah, you're the same. You are doing the same thing. I, I care for none of you. But Donald Trump's the right choice. And here's where we are, my friends. Young voters, New Hampshire, turning out for Donald Trump. 538 polling. Trump wins. Here we go. Let's roll through these polls, baby. We got the Bullfinch group. Trump wins. We've got Morning Consult. Trump wins. Redfield and Wilton. Trump wins. Harris X. Nikki Haley beats Biden, too. That's why Trump was like, I win this. DeSantis loses. Okay. Harris X poll. Biden beats DeSantis. Incredible. Harris X. Trump beats Biden by 11 points with Kennedy in the race and and Cornell West and Jill Stein. In another poll with just Kennedy, Trump wins. Here's our Harvard Harris, Trump v. Biden only. Trump wins. 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 YouGov. Oh, we found one. We found one. Biden wins. We found one poll. Trump is trouncing Biden across the board in all the polls, and the polls have typically favored Democrats. All right. Here's real clear polling. They have right now in the polling aggregate, Donald Trump with 37.5, Joe Biden with 33.8 and Kennedy with 19.3. Trump wins. Now, what I fear is that come the election this November, when Trump does win in the three way race with uh, Biden and Kennedy, they're going to say Trump won only 37 percent. This is what happened with Abraham Lincoln. And, and, and some others, but Abraham Lincoln, right before the Civil War, he's, he's a minority president. He does not represent this country. And they use that to justify anger and violence. Now, when you whittle it down to just Trump v. Biden, Trump still wins. In aggregate, Donald Trump is at 47.2 to Biden's 44.3. So I think it's about time we just say enough. These lies that Nikki Haley is the only one who can win, it's a lie. The lies that it's DeSantis. DeSantis can't beat Joe Biden. He is an off-putting, unlikable man. Okay, and that's unfortunate for him. His base is also off-putting and unlikable. Donald Trump's the guy. Donald Trump is a once-in-a-lifetime candidate. He is, in many ways, like Abraham Lincoln. He really is. And you know, I'm just looking forward to all the Democrat whinging. Like, how dare you compare Trump to Abraham Lincoln? Blah blah blah. Read history. Abraham Lincoln was not this great guy. He's venerated, but he did a lot of questionable, a lot of bad things. But he led us through the Civil War and he kept the Union intact. The Civil War, the victories of it, it's not black and white. We lost a lot of civil liberties after the Civil War. And shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. It's tough. It's, it's tough. The greatest thing, of course, the end of slavery. Should have happened a long time before this. Other countries had already gotten rid of it. But it is fortunate that the best thing that came out of it. So there are challenges in in how we view the Civil War. 
it would be foolish to say it was just 100% good. No, it was like 90 something maybe, but there were bad things about it. Abraham Lincoln suspended habeas corpus. Members of the Maryland legislature were arrested for their political views. Uh, uh, the, The Lincoln administration threatened to arrest a sitting Supreme Court justice. I mean, there was dark stuff. However, as bad as all those things were, the loss of certain civil liberties, in a sense, the empowering of the federal government, compares in no way to the lack of civil liberties that slavery was quite literally an institution of. So I view it as the sacrifices that we, like the damage to the nation that ultimately resulted are nothing, nothing compared to the damage that was slavery. To put it simply, you had people who quite literally had no civil rights and they didn't even get them until way later on. A war was fought for a variety of reasons. It wasn't just slavery, but slavery was the catalyst and a large component. And following this end of this war, despite the horrible things Abraham Lincoln did, Sherman's march to the sea, how about that? The end of slavery was, it was worth it. It's tough, isn't it? Sacrifice is made to recognize you cannot claim to be a free nation at all if you have slaves, right? I think that's an important thing to say. We can talk about the things Abraham Lincoln did in suspending habeas corpus. And it's like, how dare he do that? I'm like, how dare this country have slaves, man? (laughs) His people didn't have habeas corpus. They didn't have civil liberties. They didn't have voting rights. They didn't have property rights. It isn't so cut and dry. A lot of people don't know this uh, about slavery, but slaves did have money. Some slaves were able to buy their freedom. Some slaves worked in cities and earned wages. This is true. The point of slavery was that you had no rights. You were owned by someone. And the only reason they were able to collect wages was because it was easier for the slave owners. So destroying that institution, good thing. But Donald Trump does have a lot in common. And I don't mean like, a, like everything in the world. There's like a handful of things perhaps you could point out in terms of how the election's being run, in terms of how he's being treated, uh, how he's being treated by his political opponents, the current state of politics in this country. There are similarities there. I, I, I don't think he's the uh, great speaker. You know, Abraham Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. I believe it was like ad-libbed, and now it's this historical thing. So we look back at, at Abraham Lincoln. We say, wow, what a, what, a, what, a, what a powerful president. What a good man. Yeah, well, he did bad things, too. And Donald Trump is a, is a good guy, but he does bad things, too, because no one's perfect. But here we go, baby. The race is on. Nikki Haley's wasting our time, but, you know, so be it. Do whatever you want to do. I'm curious to see what happens come November. If Donald Trump does win with 37% of the vote in a three-way split race, I mean, people may, the left is going to revolt. They're going to start claiming Trump's a minority president. The Electoral College is broken. It shouldn't be this way. They're going to claim things like Biden got the popular vote. Trump shouldn't have won. And they're going to, they're going to call for civil war. Maybe not in the direct sense. Maybe not Democrats saying, oh, we should have civil war. No, they're going to say things like we should secede because they've already said that. I, I do not make these things up or say them lightly. Boston Globe published the story where prominent Democrats war gamed out what they would do if Trump won 2020. And one of the things they would do was encourage West Coast states to threaten secession unless they got what they wanted. You think Trump's going to just give these West Coast states everything they want? No. He's going to say, you're sanctuary states. You're breaking the law. We're deporting these people. And they're going to say, then we'll secede. I don't understand why that would change. Not to mention, Texas is on the verge of secession as it is. The federal government trying to come in and, and tr- shatter the international borders and destroy Texas. And Texas just said, no, it's getting wild out there. 
I'll leave it there, my friends. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Yesterday, audio was released of the Arizona Republican Party chair offering Carrie Lake a bribe to drop out, disappear for a couple of years, saying things like, maybe there's a company that will put you on the payroll. Your voice could be so much bigger. Just get out for the next two years. Some of the most shocking revelations from this. Carrie Lake says they're going to try to have me murdered on the recording. And the man offering the bribe says that if he goes public, they will murder him too. But who is they, though? That's the big question. I mean, it seriously. Who is they, though? He says people back east, very powerful people. Now we have some developments on the story. Carrie Lake is demanding the resignation of Arizona Republican Party chair who offered her a bribe not to run. It is being speculated, and I think it's probably correct. Carrie Lake was recording herself, and she may do this often. We have a breakdown from a local press outlet as to some of the more important things that were said. But what I find fascinating, the headline should be New York Times front page. GOP party chair fears assassination after bribing Senate candidate to bow out of the race. Ladies and gentlemen, as the saying goes, they're not conspiracy theories. They're spoiler alerts. The narrative machine has shattered the ability of the uniparty to control what people see, think and hear is gone. Can you believe this? I mean, look, 10 years ago, Epstein was a conspiracy theory and you were a crackpot for believing any of that stuff could be happening. Now it's a fact. We still haven't gotten the client list. I wonder how much more will be coming out. The machine has kept a tight lid and has been able to control public perception for a very long time. Now we have outright statements from prominent individuals. JFK was assassinated by the CIA. LBJ wanted him out. Really? Man, I can only speculate as to when they come out and claim the moon landing actually didn't happen. Now, my view is uh, uh, still, of course, that we did land on the moon because I got to be honest, I don't think it's that difficult. And what I mean by that is certainly it is a great feat of humanity, but we have rocketry. This week you can witness and you can do yourself. Blasting someone on a rocket to land on a rock in the sky, I don't actually think is all that much, much more complicated. I mean, just do some math. However, I will say this as we get into the uh, reality that all these conspiracy theories are coming true. And we now have an exposed conspiracy from powerful elites who apparently invoke fear of assassination in, uh, in politicians. It's, a, it's, it's real. I'll just say I, I do like the conspiracy theory. Like I should say, I believe it's plausible that the moon is a graveyard. The idea being you can get to the moon. I think anybody recognizes we can blast a rocket into space and calculate where it's going to land. That's not even as hard as a Sudoku puzzle. Okay, it's a lot harder, but you get my point. The question is getting back. And I, there, there's a, a conspiracy theories that we sent more than just the original teams to the moon and the first few couldn't get back. Yeah. Look, man, I've seen rockets blow up in the sky on numerous videos. You think we nailed it on our first attempt? Now, to be fair, a lot of people said we didn't. We did flybys before we actually tried to land on the moon to calculate and get all the data. Yeah, so whatever, man. Look, 
If news comes out proving the moon landing was fake, I'm just going to be like, dude, I don't even know at this point. I'll take it because this is a crazy story. And now you're with this audio being revealed. We're basically at the point where y'all could claim anything. And the 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 uniparty, the establishment has zero credibility. Carrie Lake demands resignation of Arizona Republican Party chair who offered her a bribe not to run. As we're getting into this, my friends, of course, support the show. Go to TimCast.com. Click join us because this show is made possible in part thanks to viewers like you. That's really it. If you like the work that we do, go to TimCast.com. Click join us. Become a member. You'll get access to our Discord server, our TimCast IRL Uncensored shows, and you help this company operate. Carrie Lake on Tuesday demanded the resignation of Arizona Republican Party chair Jeff DeWitt after Daily Mail published audio of the moment last year when he appeared to try to bribe her not to run for the U.S. Senate. Now, the question is, actually, was it him? Who actually made the offer? Who was he fearing would kill him? I want want to we'll go through what was said, but let me play some clips for you. We have this tweet from Robbie Starbuck. He says, wow. The part where Carrie Lake says they may kill her for not taking this deal. And then Jeff follows up mentioning the cartels are operating in 50 states. Sounds like a threat to me. Never been more proud to have been the first to endorse Carrie Lake when she ran for governor. Take a listen. Don't tell people. They're going to try to have me murdered. <laughs> I doubt that either. world, man. If that stuff that came out last week is right about the cartel stuff, I mean, they say the cartel's operating in 50 states right now. Like all 50, you mm-hmm. know? So, so what, what, what's going on? Who is it? What? Forget the who. Let me just tell you the what. Jeez. Let's just say there are people calling around saying, gosh, no, they can't repeat this. Never repeat this. If you say no, don't, because they say, I got offered to buy out. Don't, don't, yeah. Don't use it. Never repeat we lose our ability to get things done. Other, in the future. Because then we lose our ability to get these things done in the future. Here's this is my problem. Rather than just say, let's work with her. She's a great candidate. Because they don't own me. And it pisses me off. Yeah, I said it's about ownership. Now, here's the next big part, in my opinion. Around the nine minute mark, Jeff says that he will be killed if he went public with this. Let me play for you the last minute of the audio released by Daily Mail. Well, let's see what happens. Maybe my case will go through. Maybe they'll do the right thing. I do too. That's my first goal. Yeah. But they can't have me in the governor's office because then we're going to root out some of this corruption. But again, it's like you know what it is? The people don't get to choose their elected officials unless they're pre-approved by the swamp. And the swamp doesn't pre-approve of me. You need a strong party to help. I think you, you should go public with this and then no. say, "Hey, no, 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 no. These people don't want to. They don't want. Then I turn my key in my car and I just. <laughs> I, don't know. I like my car. <laughs> Tell them I'm not flattered. I'm a. Fa- she, Carrie Lake, says you should go public with this, to which Jeff DeWitt responds, no, 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 no. Then I turn my key in my car and it goes. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
This is amazing. I mentioned this last night, and uh, you know we we run a a fairly prominent operation here at Timcast. That's why I say support our work at Timcast.com. We get uh, millions of views. In 2020, we were we were averaging in the la- in, in the last couple months of the year, around 120 million hits per month. It's kind of crazy. I had prominent leftist organizations saying that we were the biggest conservative, far right, whatever, and we need to be taken down. And we were getting like a million hits on every episode of IRL in the 2020 election. It was wild. We were swatted 15 times, I believe, in 2022, starting on January 6th. I have received credible death threats. People have sent us fake bombs. With that being said, I could not name a single individual of power and great stature who I could ever say would kill me. Now, I know, I know, I know. I'm just an internet guy. The reason why I bring this up is not to make it about me. It's to make the point that despite all of the threats that I've received, there is no one I could say. It's like, oh, if I crossed that person, they'd end my life. I mean, I'm sure that people want me dead. I guess this guy, Jeff DeWitt, he is not a massively prominent individual. He's a backroom connected individual who said people back east want you out. And those people he fears will kill him. What the are you involved in? That's crazy. Carrie Lake says they're going to try to have me murdered. That I get. Carrie, up your security, man. Here we go. As she arrived at Donald Trump's campaign party in Nashua, uh, Nashua, New Hampshire, on Tuesday evening, she told DailyMail.com the American people had it enough. The people are rising up and saying, no, we want our country back. We want our government back and we will no longer put up with one more ounce of corruption. And the truth is all coming out now. What's fascinating is that Carrie Lake made these claims a while ago, that she'd been offered a bribe to drop out of the race. And of course, the corporate press says, what a conspiracy theorist. Now, I believe the audio was recorded by Carrie Lake. So there is a question of why wait this long to release it? I don't think it's actually actually that complicated. Some may make the assumption that it was waiting for an opportune moment. Criticize Carrie for it or praise her for it. Was it a smart decision or was it a selfish decision? Decision. I think it's actually reasonable to say when you're sitting on audio where a man says that they're going to kill him if this gets released, You may be a little bit reluctant to publicize that audio. Unless, of course, things get bad enough, you decide, you know what? Maybe I should release this audio. I've had stories in my career where there's questions of whether or not you should publish. And, uh, you know, the tough thing is I've had insider information on like media deals. We'll put it that way that I think are pertinent to the average person's, uh, 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 to the average person they should know about how big tech operates and stuff like this. If it, and, and so, you know, I've had some of these stories where it comes to the line where I'm like, if this story was actually a bit more important, I would violate journalistic ethics to release it to the public because in fact, that would be upholding the ethics. The public's right to know outweighs the other elements of journalistic ethics. That is minimizing harm and protecting sources and things like this. I've had people confide in me things where I'm like, wow, I think the public should know that, but I don't think it's the most important thing in the world. So I'm going to protect my sources and keep it off the record. 
They're tough decisions. It's, it's, it's not easy. The issue being primarily for me is someone brings me information. And if that information is revealed, the person who brought it to me could lose their life, be harmed, could destroy their life in other ways. And so the question is, is the public's right to know outweighing the safety of the individual who released it? I got to tell you, if someone ever comes to me off the record and they say, here's key information, but don't share it with anybody. I'm providing this to you off the record. But the information is pertinent to the survival and benefit of humanity. Yeah, sorry. Off the record means very little. And that's a challenge. In my circumstances, as I want to stress this, it's never reached that point. It's always been like, well, that is an important story people should know about, but it's not going to change an election. It's not going to, you know, it's interesting. But I'll stress, if it ever got to the at threshold, I, I would. That's the challenge. For Carrie Lake, I wonder if her thoughts were, I don't want Jeff to be murdered. And so it's just really, I can't release this stuff. If I put this audio recording out, they're going to kill him or me. It's tough. When asked if he should now resign, she said, I believe he should. DeWitt and his office have not responded to multiple requests for comment, but local party officials have demanded he leave his post. Lake had previously discussed the extraordinary effort to keep her out of the race, but never revealed who was behind it. On Monday, Arizona talk show host Garrett Lewis named DeWitt, who was elected chairman of the party in January last year. Audio obtained by Daily Mail revealed how he made his offer at her home in early March last year. There are very powerful people who want to keep you out, he can be heard saying. DeWitt tells Lake, 54, one of the most public faces of the former president's MAGA movement and a woman frequently spoken of as a 2024 vice presidential pick, that he thinks Trump will lose. It's time to make way for someone else. So the ask I got today from the back from back east was, is, is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll to keep her out? Now, there's a portion of the audio recording that says it's inaudible. But what, what I believe he says, because I'm not trying to read what they write because I can trick you. I'll explain in a second. He says something like, do you know of anyone who lost, ran and then won because I can't think of anyone? Paraphrasing. Be careful. When audio is released and it's hard to understand, someone may write text, which actually there's a uh, there's a really funny video where uh, it's, it's guys are chanting like a rugby game or something. And it's hard to know exactly what they're saying. I don't even know. There's six choices. They're saying things like that was embarrassing, pirate ships sailing. And depending on which one you're reading, it sounds like the, the crowd is chanting whatever that sentence may be. We don't don't actually know. I think they may have been chanting like that was embarrassing. I don't know. The point is this. If someone says something and the text at the bottom says something slightly different, your brain absorbs the wrong data because the text can trick you. So that's why be careful when you're seeing story, when you're seeing videos like this, not to read the audio right away. Try and listen to what they're saying and make it out for yourself, then read. But uh, that being said, there's one point where it says inaudible, but it sounds like he's saying, do you know of anybody who lost, ran, and then won because I can't think of anyone or something like that. The point he's making to Kerry Lake is you lost. You lost the governor's race running again. You're not going to win. But I think the issue here is that both Jeff DeWitt and Kerry Lake say on this recording, the election was stolen. So it's not an issue of whether Kerry Lake lost or not. It's an issue of whether or not it was fair. I believe that the Arizona election for the governor's race is a stolen election. And the reason why is not because I have direct evidence of fraud or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying that hundreds of machines broke. Ballots were printed on the wrong size paper. That's a fact. At that point, it is a disputed election. And we do not want disputed elections. Now, the Democrats argue, no, it wasn't. We won. Well, I don't care what you're arguing. We know the machines were broken. So just do another election. And if you won, you'll win again. Why is that so hard? They didn't. They refused. And the judges said, shut up to Carrie Lake. Despite the fact machines broke and people complained about it. Remarkable, isn't it? And they lie about it. That's what they do. The Hill reports. Carrie Lake calls an Arizona GOP chair to resign. Just showing another source here backing up. He's got to resign. We can't have somebody who is corrupt and compromised running the Republican Party. Lake told an NBC reporter at former President Trump's New Hampshire primary victory party. Wow. It's so wild. Absolutely insane. We are seeing the 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 exposing of a legitimate political conspiracy. So I ask you again, my friends. Who is they, though? I know it's a funny meme and I'm honored, honored (laughs) to have been involved in the who is they, though, meme. Kanye West comes on the show. Yay. And we're talking about they. And he says, who is they, though? And I'm like the corporate press, the media establishment, powerful political elites. Oh, he wanted to say the Jews. No, that's stupid. Are there powerful, prominent Jewish people who are in business? Of course, there's also powerful, prominent Irish people and black people, too. Are there a lot of Jewish people in media? Sure. There are a lot of Irish people running banks. (laughs) I think that's funny. When we were talking uh, to after Ye Storms out of the room, we decided to look up who actually ran the banks because people were pointing out in the chat. They were like, dude, the banks aren't run by Jews. (laughs) And it's mostly Irish people. That's what was funny, like Moynihan and stuff like that. And I'm like, these are Irish guys. When did the Irish people take? Oh, come on. Look, I don't judge a person based on their ethnic or religious background. I take, it in, I take it into consideration, but I'm more interested in their political affiliations. You know, right now with like the Palestine-Israel stuff, oh boy, here we go. You've got conservative Jewish people who are saying this is nuts. You've got liberal Jewish people defending Gaza. It doesn't matter that they're Jewish. They disagree politically. But anyway, more to the point and to get off that subject, who is they though? This guy saying back east, I'm east. I'm an hour from Washington, D.C., we really love hanging out at National Harbor. It's awesome. <laughs> if you ever go to D.C., check out National Harbor. It's beautiful. There's great restaurants. They got a casino. Oh, boy. And the fun thing about the casino is they have like this strip of like little, you know, fast food restaurants. It's fun. It's fun. Don't, 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 don't gamble money you can't afford to gamble with. Here's my advice for everybody who wants to go to a casino. Here's how I play. You take 100 bucks out or 200 bucks. That's your entertainment for the night. You sit down. You play some games. You might get a free weekend. See, this is the thing that's really funny about it, just as an aside. When people are like, casinos are bad or degenerate, it's like, dude, if you go to a bar and you spend a bunch of money hanging out, you lose that money. If you're hanging out with your friends, casino, you, know, you actually have like a 50-50 chance of not losing any money as you're hanging out. That's why I like, I like playing games. But uh, that being said, don't waste money. But back east, the reason I bring this up is that, interestingly, I've been informed that the National Harbor MGM is the highest grossing casino in the country. Now, now you may be saying, but wait, wait, what? What about Vegas? Maybe I could be wrong, but this is what they say. This is the this is what people talk about in uh, in the casino that it's the D.C. area. Why? 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dirty money needs to be cleaned. Interesting. Now, I'm not here to accuse MGM of doing anything untoward. I don't know. But there are rumors that the reason why MGM makes so much money is that just outside of Washington, D.C., when backroom deals are being cut, you're going to need to explain how you came into this money. So you hop on down to the old casino and uh, you hang out, buy and play some games. And when you cash out, huh, let me tell you guys a secret. How do you transfer illicitly money politically? Let me tell you a technique they, they, they do. This is what, this, these are the rumors that circulate in these circles back east as to how these bribes get paid. Now, of course, you always have the, is there a company that can put Kerry Lake on payroll? Some big company says, we'll carve out half a million a year for you, two years. You make a million bucks and then you come back into the race. That's a dirty game it appears they're playing. But let me tell you my favorite. High stakes poker. Oh, yeah. See, I love poker. Uh, Texas Hold'em is my game. The Cadillac of poker, they call it. But understand this about places like D.C. You get a guy who wants to bribe another guy, but you can't do it. You go to jail. I mean, if you're caught in any way negotiating bribery, you get in trouble. But what if you said, my friend, how about you and I, you and I, Play a high stakes poker with the boys. We'll buy in for $100,000 each. We'll play what's called 510. No, let's call it uh, $100,000. I think they're going to be playing like 100, 200, 400 maybe. What that means is there are two forced bets in poker, small and big blinds. 100, 200 means every rotation, like every time a, a full table rotation happens. I don't want to explain all the details, but... You have a force bet of you'll put in $300 from the big blind, 200 from the small blind, 100. So you buy in $100,000 into the table. Now, how do you bribe someone in politics and give them the money laundering it? It's so easy. You see, poker's a game of bluffs and skill. And so here's what happens. The guy making the bribe sitting at the table, they just play a game of poker betting here and there. The guy who is to receive the bribe, they both wait until the opportune moment. Looks like a normal high stakes game to everybody else. And you'll never be able to prove otherwise. The dealer deals out the cards and the guy making the bribe looks down at a mediocre hand. Not that good, but good enough. Something reasonable to where he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to raise. Puts more money in the middle. Let's say he bets $10,000 out of his hundred thousand. Everybody folds because they're like, Oof, 10 grand, that's a big bet. But the guy to receive the bribe says, you know what? I think my hand is better than yours. I'm going to raise. And then he puts in 30,000 of his own money. Now you may be saying, well, wait, hold on, Tim. How is the guy who's supposed to receive the bribe putting money into the middle? But wait, let me explain. The guy giving the bribe 
then goes all in, pushes $100,000 into the middle of the table. Pure bluff. At least that's what he'd argue. The man who receives the bribe smiles and says, I call, flicks a chip into the middle, pushes all his money in the middle. The guy making the bribe goes, oh, rats, you got me. I was bluffing and flips over a bad hand. Let's say it's not that good. And the guy to receive the bribe flips over a good hand. Now, of course, there's no guarantees that either is actually going to win. Like the, the guy who's supposed to receive the bribe will win. But I can explain, you know, in better detail how you can pull these things off. The end result is the guy who's supposed to receive the bribe waited until he had pocket aces, the best hand, 82% chance to win, wins the pot, takes all the money and then goes, look at me. I had a good day at the casino and just won. But they both know the other guy, they colluded, which is illegal. And he did it to make a reasonable move as to how the money was transferred. The guy receiving the win actually knows the dude only put the money in knowing he was going to lose because it was a bribe. So I'm not accusing, again, I want to stress this. MGM is a fine establishment. I am saying there are criminals who will exploit these casinos properties to try and launder money. Everybody knows they do. So when I hear about back east and you hear these stories about the highest grossing casinos, oh boy. Now I can explain a much simpler way. I mean, the issue with, uh, with that one is it gets a little complicated. But let's say there's a guy who knows he has a losing hand. The, the board runs out. It's called uh, the board. The five cards appear on the board. Both players look at their hands. And the guy who wants to make the bribe knows he cannot win. He has king high. So he goes, I'm all in. And the guy to receive the bribe has a pair and goes, I call. Ha ha, you are bluffing and I've won your money. You can easily arrange these things. And people talk about how that's how they make the deals. That's how they make the bribes. It is completely reasonable to assume wealthy individuals like gambling and playing poker. And the guy is trying to figure out how he can give $100,000 to this other guy. How do you do it? Because they're going to be looking into how you make these contributions, how you make these donations. And there's one method. There's a bunch of methods, don't get me wrong, for how they recycle money and launder money through casinos. Many of these casinos are just like, look, we're not involved. You use the system as it's legally allowed. And then anything, any criminal activity is on you. But my point here is just the back east comment. I love it. Who are they referring to? It's got to be D.C. Maybe New York. Probably not. I think it's D.C. I think it's D.C. in the surrounding areas. I think what is it like the most expensive neighborhood in the country is just outside of D.C. That that may be true. I'm not sure. I think I've driven through it. And like every house is this ridiculous mansion with insane security. Powerful people and a lot of money reside in this area. When you're dealing with the seat of politics, you have people flying from all over the world. Let me give you a better example to understand the point of bribery. How can a foreign dignitary give $100,000 to an American politician or political group? Writing a check is going to be scrutinized by the FEC or by, I mean, the SEC depends. But if a prominent, wealthy, I don't know, Saudi comes to D.C., and wants to find a way to transfer a hundred grand in as a bribe to someone they're not legally allowed to, they can just lose it in a poker game. Whoops. So long as it's done at a casino with high stakes, no problem. It doesn't even need to be one big bet. 
He can keep buying back in and be like, I guess I'll buy back in. And there's ways to clean the money up. And then what are you going to say? This guy gave you the money. No, he didn't. He lost it fair and square. I won that. How dare you claim otherwise? He was bad at poker. It's funny, isn't it? Oh, boy, man, the games that are being played. Let me just say this. The scenario I described, it's legit. Like people do that. It's illegal. Now we got this story. Carrie Lake releasing this audio. Everything you might think about what's going on behind the scenes in politics, we're now learning it's real. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Some controversy as of late relating to airplanes. Why? Well, we saw a, a, a door plug blow off the side of a plane. Fortunately, nobody was sitting there. But if they were, they could have been sucked into oblivion where they would fall into their deaths. I'm assuming. I mean, I don't know. Someone's going to argue. No, actually, the seatbelt, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the side of a door of a Boeing Max blew off. We now got another story that the wheel fell off a plane the other day. There have been a couple crashes. And a lot of people are concerned about what's going on with these planes and why it's happening. Many people have pointed out, as well as I, diversity, inclusivity, and equity programs will result in lesser qualified people being given jobs. And this will create a tendency towards error. I'm going to break all that down for you. But the core of the story right now is the smears and the lies the left is pushing about Charlie Kirk by pulling a clip out of context. And this is the game they play. Now, I know politics is a dirty game. I get it. And they're going to play these games. The reason I do this segment is for is one, Charlie Kirk's a good dude and he's not a racist. And they're playing this game to trick you into not understanding the concerns about diversity, inclusivity and equity programs in airlines and engineering and just about anything that requires serious safety regulations. Charlie Kirk, this is Midas Touch. Oh, we love our friends over at Midas Touch, right? Quote, if I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. And what was Charlie Kirk's point? Taken out of context, they're trying to imply that Charlie is basing his views on whether or not someone can fly a plane on race. When in fact, the actual context was, if an airline tells you they will hire lesser qualified people based on race, you would be concerned if you saw someone who was not white that they may, ha- may have hired the lesser qualified person. Thus, Charlie's point is racist hiring policies make people concerned there are lesser qualified people flying planes based on race. The criticism is of racism. This is what really bothers me, because in fact, you have Charlie making the argument that companies should not be able to be racist. I mean, this is, this is the crux of the argument. It should not be that companies take race into consideration when hiring. You should just hire the best person. Otherwise, you're racist. And then if you are hiring people and you're explicitly saying it's not about who's the best person, but the race, then you're going to be concerned they did not choose the best person. It's that simple, reasonable and opposing of racist policies. Take a look at this clip. And then I want to highlight uh, the Krasensteins, liberal commentators on X, and explain how this game is played and what it results in. They say fresh off his attack on Martin Luther King, Charlie took to uh, took took to attacking okay uh, black surgeons and pilots on his thought crime show. Kirk said that seeing a black pilot makes him doubt the pilot is qualified. Actually, 
That is a misrepresentation. What Kirk is saying is that seeing a diversity, inclusivity and equity program hire people based on race makes him concerned they're not the meritocratically chosen candidate. That's not who, who I am. That's not what I believe, he says. Now, hold on there a minute. Why wasn't that in the headline? Why doesn't why don't, why don't these leftists include in the headline that Charlie Kirk is saying, I'm not like that. That's not who I am. I don't want to be thinking these things. But the racist hiring practices bring that to uh, front of mind, top of mind, right? Let me show you this uh, from Ed Krasenstein. For those that aren't familiar, Ed Krasenstein is one of the most prominent political commentators on X, formerly Twitter, where he and his brother are well known for their uh, liberal commentary. We've actually had them on Timcast IRL. His post about Charlie Kirk has 2.6 million views. The man himself has 1 million followers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He says, Charlie Kirk, quote, I'm sorry. If I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. He then says, Charlie Kirk is racist. Is there any other word for this? If that's not racism, then what is? This is the dirty, dirty game they play. Now I responded. I said, these guys act stupid in order to bait the right and generate ratios because they get paid more money. Ed knows exactly what Charlie is saying, that racist hiring policies give him pause, not that he thinks race plays a factor in skill. It's actually that simple. If a company is engaged in a racist hiring policy, I have concerns about the qualities of the people who are engaged in these jobs. I don't care what they're racist. If someone said we are going to hire uh, based on height instead of skill. And I walk in and I see a six foot seven guy flying the plane. I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. There's no difference. I'm not heightist. I'm making the point that the company says they're not hiring based on whether they can fly the plane. Okay. So Ed Krasnstein responds to me. He says, Tim, I literally made $450 last pay period. My posts have nothing to do with money. I do know what Charlie is saying. Do you honestly think that unqualified pilots are being hired just because they are black? That's absurd. An airline pilot must pass a written exam, a practical flying test, and a medical exam. He, she must have instrument rate, uh, an, an instrument rating, a commercial pilot's license, which require another written and practical exam and also receive a multi-engine rating. Additionally, they must have regular check rides and ongoing proficiency tests, as well as a certain number of flight hours. Yeah, I just, I want to say this in a little bit of a humble brag. Uh, the reason why people follow me, one of them, is because I'm, I'm not a moron, and I don't fall for these tricks. I'm going to pause for a second. I saw a debate between Alex Jones and Destiny, and I just couldn't. Ian Crossland was trying to moderate, and Boy, the reason why I don't care for things like that is you're not going to bait me because I'm not stupid, Ed. I did not make a point about the qualifications of these pilots and their rating systems or otherwise. 
I made the point that you knew exactly what Charlie Kirk's point was. And you're doing this to generate engagement, which makes you money. Your response to me is an attempt to divert the argument into whether or not I believe unqualified pilots are being hired. I did not make that argument. This is what these people do. Okay. This is what you see in these political debates. It's lowbrow, C minus, D tier, whatever you want to call it. And this is how they manipulate people. Instead of addressing my point, Charlie, I'm sorry, about Charlie, Ed deflects into the core of whether or not unqualified people are being hired, where in fact, my point was he is grifting and he knows what Charlie is saying, to which he admits. He says, I do know what Charlie is saying. Then why call Charlie Kirk a racist? Additionally, he says, I made literally $450 last pay period. I do believe, good sir, you have proven my point. Your revenue is down. I remember when the Krasensteins were bragging about making five figures. We got $20,000 or whatever it was. You made a lot of money. Now only four fifty. dollars You better crank those numbers up, buddy. You're going to have to figure out a way to get people to respond to your comments by, I don't know, perhaps calling Charlie Kirk a racist, despite knowing his point was to criticize racism. You see, NPCs, man, there are people who are what I would refer to as default liberal, who believe people like Ed and believe Charlie Kirk is a racist without seeing the full context of the argument and engaging with Charlie Kirk honestly in the full context of what he believes, to which Charlie Kirk would say, I don't believe the race of the individual will will determine their capabilities in flying a plane. I believe that these airlines are prioritizing race over skill, which could lead to a pilot of lesser skill being given the job. Oh boy, I hope he's qualified. The funny thing is I made a very similar point. Because of these racist hiring policies, you now are not sure was the best pilot hired. My response to to Ed was, The response confirms my post was correct. You know that Charlie meant he feels racist hiring practices result in lesser qualified or unqualified candidates. You called him a racist. It was bait to get clicks. Considering your pat was low, it also lends itself to the idea that you're desperately trying to boost your revenue. Well, fresh off the bat, one minute ago, as of recording this, Ed has responded. He says, no, it is racist for someone to say they believe a black man could be unqualified to fly the plane when you clearly know that there are standards and testing in place to ensure that he, she is in fact qualified. Tim, I have no need to make a living off of X. I posted for over 10 years without earning a dime and will continue to post my thoughts and feelings regardless of how much X pays me. I will concede that point. I don't, I don't know that uh, I feel that Ed and his brother want to drive traffic and generate revenue because there's literally no reason to say that Charlie's a racist in this regard. It's fake. It's not real. It doesn't address any actual arguments. It doesn't make any actual claims about the character of Charlie Kirk or anyone who works with him. It is a blanket nonsense statement which conveys no idea whatsoever. I suppose if Ed Krasenstein wanted to say something like it shows a racial prejudice or the statement made by Charlie Kirk could be perceived as racist by some people. No, he says Charlie Kirk is a racist. What does that do? Nothing. That's why you're a grifter, Ed. Because you're not making a real argument about what Charlie Kirk has argued. You see, this is what I hate about politics. 
Charlie makes a point on the merits. You attack him on character. And that's it. And then instead of responding to me, you tried to divert to an argument about qualifications because there's no merit here. These are, you know, Ed, Ed, Ed was part of the debate with Jones and Destiny. It was the Krasensteins. Uh, 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 I believe it was both of them and Destiny with Alex, uh, uh, Alex Jones and uh, Darren Beatty, Glenn Greenwald. And you know why I couldn't do it and why I, I don't like doing these things? You know, when, when, when Destiny comes on the show, Destiny is a very liberal guy and we have our arguments. We have real arguments. And I think Destiny's fantastic. A lot of people don't like him, but he's a smart guy. He believes his, his points. After we finish the show, we're playing poker and we're arguing and he's, he's a genuine guy. He's allowed to believe what he believes. And I respect that he believes these things based off of what he reads. And I will argue with him. But you see, the debates I have with Destiny don't devolve into, no, you, no, you, no, you, no, you. That literally happened. And I'll tell you why. My point. Charlie Kirk is not a racist. Charlie Kirk is concerned that these companies are racist and they're perpetuating racism and prejudices by engaging in these practices. Charlie Kirk, instead of arguing the point, calls him a racist, which does nothing. It's just riling people up on the internet for no reason other than to generate engagement. Now, he may not make direct money from X, nor he says, I don't need to make money off X. Yeah. Building profile and making these claims still makes you money in other ways. It's a part of your brand and business. I'm not stupid enough to get roped into a fake debate that I didn't make. My argument, Charlie's not a racist. You're misrepresenting the facts. Ed's debate, do you really think pilots unqualified? Oh, spare me, dude. But let me stress. I will absolutely jump in to that argument. Now that I've addressed the Charlie Kirk portion of this, Charlie's a good dude. Ed is misrepresenting his points. That being said, an airline pilot must pass a written exam. Okay, what's the scoring method on that exam? We'll, 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 we'll break down one by one. Is it uh, one, zero out of 100, the exam? Uh, what's the passing threshold? Is it anyone who scores 75% and above passes? Or is it you must score 100%? Honest question. If it is that you must score 100%, I concede that point. If the argument is that an airline pilot must pass a written exam, and the written exam has a threshold of between 80 to 100 for a passing grade, that is to say, if you score an 80, you advance, the argument then becomes two men take the test. One man who's white scores a 93. A man who is black scores an 87. They say diversity means we need more non-white pilots. He got a passing grade. We will hire him. Congratulations. He got a passing grade, but it was lesser than the white man. I'm not saying that's absolute. I'm saying that's what the airline is presenting to the public. And the problem is, it is very likely, in my opinion, the inverse would occur where a white man scores poorly and a black man scores masterfully, earns his position through merit, and then they say, can we take a picture of you for, for our brochure to make sure everybody knows how diverse we are? And then you'll end up with individuals saying, is this guy really being chosen based on his merit or are they just doing some diversity parade? And it's insulting to people who are white. Next, a practical flying test. I make the same argument. What does this entail? Is there a threshold? Is it 100 marks? You must get 90 correct out of 100 or pass 90 maneuvers or whatever it may be a medical exam. Again, this is the same argument. What is a medical exam? Could they say your eyes are good, your eyes are not so good? And would they be willing to accept a candidate who is lesser on the medical exam, but passing? 
That's the point. He, she must have an instrument writing. What writing? Out of what? What's the number? Is it out of 10? Is it anyone with an instrument writing uh, of eight or higher passes? Again, same point. Commercial pilot's license, which requires another written and practical exam. I'll just totally, totally just drop the pilot's license one. Absolutely got to have a pilot's license. And if you pass, you pass. Multi-engine writing. Additionally, they must have regular check rides and ongoing proficiency tests, as well as a certain number of flight hours. Now let's do some math to break down for you the concerns people have on anti-meritocratic hiring practices. Oh, it's oh boy, so, 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 so simple. Let me explain to you using the casino analogy, which I love using. Blackjack. Oh, if you play blackjack perfectly, perfectly, the casino has a 0.5% edge. That means for every 100 hands, the casino will win 50.5 of those hands and you will win 49.5. We can crank it up to uh, 1,000 and say they'll win 505 and you'll win 495. I mean, it feels an awful lot like 50-50, doesn't it? As a marginal 0.5%, am I really going to notice that? In gambling, people refer, refer to this as expected value minus. It's really simple. If you were to play at those odds infinitely, you will lose. There's no question about it. Over a long enough period of time, you lose no matter what. In fact, there are simulators that can show you this. It, you'll start with an amount of money you want to make a bet. You'll start with the amount of bankroll you have, and you'll press generate. And so long as you keep playing, eventually it will stop and you will have zero dollars. That's it. I'm going for a long time, depending on your threshold. Let's say you, you, you put in the simulator $25 bet with a $500 bankroll, how much money you have on you, and press go. It could be gone instantly. It could be lose, 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 and then it's just like all your money's gone. The point is, however, after a million hands or whatever the number is, you are losing 0.5% every time you play. Now let's talk about how this operates in the hiring practices. If we shave off 2% efficiency for diversity, this will mean over the long run, you will get more errors. Now, Ed, you may be listening. I'd like to explain to you the scaling problem. This is something I talk about quite a bit. Phone company releases. 100 phones. They're brand new state of the art. They release them to 100 celebrities. And they say, celebrities, please go out and brag about our new phones. Unfortunately for phone company, 1% of these phones fail. So what? So one phone broke. The guy go, comes out, goes on TV and says, you know, I got one of these phones too. And mine broke. And they're going to be like, well, how'd you break it? I don't know. It just stopped working. Well, I'll get you a new one. End of story. One celebrity has one broken phone and ain't nobody cares. The company then releases the phone to the public and they sell one million phones. Uh Oh, a million phones. With a 1% fail rate, I'll tell you what happens. 10,000 broken phones, 10,000 broken phones. And guess what? Despite the fact that it is the same margin of failure, the internet is flooded with 10,000 stories of people saying, my phone broke instantly. Top front page, bang, news, news, news. What is going on with these broken phones? 
people are saying, I can't open up Instagram or TikTok without seeing a story about one of these broken phones. Don't buy them. Same margin of error. You get the point. As the pool becomes larger, the threshold by which the system can tolerate failure decreases. This is the scaling problem. When you are dealing with a single flight, it probably does not matter if the guy scored a 97 or a 96 on his exam. However, the scaling problem matters. We are now seeing this reflected in the airline industry with loose bolts on planes, wheels popping off, and it could be completely unrelated to diversity, inclusivity, and equity. The question is being brought up simply because it is an explicit statement of anti-meritocratic hiring practices, and thus the scaling problem will prevail. That is to say, if you hire 100 pilots and you use race as a criteria, meaning some of them are less qualified, and there is one error in which like the wheel pops off a plane, people are going to go, wow, I wonder what happened. That's it. If you hire 10,000 and you end up with 100 instances of wheels popping off, doors exploding, planes having hard landings. And let's not even talk about this. A lot of people don't know. There was recently a plane that landed wrong and it, and it broke the fuselage. That was pilot error, presumably. It appears to be pilot error. The pilot came down too hard and bounced the nose off the ground. If you end up with 100 stories of failure, the same margin of failure, the same drop in efficiency, people start freaking out. I am not saying with that argument, right or wrong. I will say the stock of these airlines will go down, people will panic, and they will likely reverse course policy wise. Because if 100 stories came out in the past year about planes crashing and engines failing, people stop flying. So you want to make sure you maximize meritocracy. You only hire the best of the best of the best to reduce the potential scaling problem and failure rates of your of your airlines and flights. So as Ed asks, do I honestly think unqualified pilots are being hired? No, of course not. That's absurd. I agree. I do believe lesser qualified pilots are being hired. Why? Because they told us they're doing it. Ed, I'm not speculating. They have on their website that they do this. Okay. The point stands. The end of this, the only thing that needs to be said is this is the game the liberal pundits play. They did not actually address Charlie Kirk's concerns. Ed, you just called him a racist. It's the most lowbrow, grifter-esque, stupid thing you can say when someone makes an argument on policy and statistics. Have fun in your grifter world. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. John Stewart is back, ladies and gentlemen. He will be hosting The Daily Show on Mondays throughout the election. I wish John Stewart the best of luck. However, in my opinion, I think he has lost us. I don't know how many people are still ready and waiting to watch The Daily Show with John Stewart, but I can tell you that I was a loyal Daily Show viewer. That's what I did. Loved The Daily Show, loved John Stewart. And now, now he's lost us. I don't see it happening. He did his weird white privilege thing on Apple. He's tried to endear himself to the woke left. 
without realizing it's actually people like you and I, who used to be the loyal viewers of uh, John Stewart. Well, here's a story from NBC News. Longtime viewers of The Daily Show will soon see a familiar face back in the hosting chair. John Stewart, who hosted the show from 96 to 2015, will return to the program, NBC News has confirmed. The news comes after more than a year of uncertainty in the search to, uh, to replace Trevor Noah, who just took home an Emmy for Best Variety Talk Series. The comedian exited in 2022 after hosting for seven years. He had taken over for, from John Stewart. Stewart will host Monday nights through the 2024 election, as well as executive produce the late night show this year and next, according to a news release from Comedy Central. On days Stewart is not hosting, The Daily Show will continue to rely on a team of rotating correspondents. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, it's sad. It really is. Let me tell you about the, uh, the good old days, where I come from and where I think many of you come from. First, I assume many of you watching a show like this are probably conservatives, uh, Trump supporters, and have been for a very long time. There are many comments from people who say, Tim fell off the fence. Oh, boy. Yeah, because I was saying things like these CBP agents who are engaged in criminal activities should be arrested, right? Or that uh, we have a right to keep and bear arms. Tim fell off the fence on a handful of things. You know, fair point. But many of you, and I know this is true, the overwhelming majority, most likely, probably used to watch The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, real time with Bill Maher. Why? Well, you know, here's the sad, the sad reality for me as a businessman. I know that if I were to choose staunch left or staunch right, our audience would be much bigger. The core conservative audience is much, much larger, and the core liberal audience is much, much larger than the milk toast middle of the road approach. Now, of course, some people have said, like I mentioned, Tim has fallen off the fence, and here I am saying, you know, enforce the law and things like that. But still, the diehard Trump supporters, you know, they they rag on me all the time. And our largest demographic seems to be disaffected liberals, Midwestern uh, right-leaning types, people who used to be Democrats. And we've done uh, surveys on this. Nothing actually recent enough, but, you know, a little bit. We did a couple years ago, a couple surveys and found the largest faction was disaffected liberals, followed by conservative Trump supporters and uh, then libertarians, something like that. Uh, it's been so long, I'm, I'm probably mixing this up. But I used to watch The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and uh, Colbert afterwards, and it was fun and funny. And Jon Stewart did good work. He did. Now, I also think he's worth, he's deserving of a lot of criticism. Jon Stewart created this comedy politics thing. It made politics funny and fun and approachable in a way that uh, had not been before. I think it was good. It helped uh, me and many of my friends be involved in politics. I got involved in politics because of punk rock music, for the most part. More so the internet, probably. But uh, growing up skateboarding with a bunch of punks, and they're like, listen to this, and then you hear these songs, you're like, oh, this is interesting. But then I'm seeing things, you know, when I would go on the internet news, and I'd, I'd wonder about these things, and it, and it makes me interested. I actually got a bunch of my younger friends when we were skating, a couple years younger, to watch The Daily Show and Colbert and get involved in politics. And uh, hmm. John Stewart is deserving of some criticism because after he leaves, they take this cookie cutter formula and create people like John Oliver. The guy lies all the time. Many of the people on The Daily Show just lie. Let me tell you about how things used to be. John Stewart praised James O'Keefe on more than one occasion. You may be asking, how is this possible? I can't believe that. He did. I didn't know much about James O'Keefe back in the day, but Jon Stewart praised him. 
saying, where are our journalists breaking these big stories about like Acorn? And you got this kid over here doing the work. It was amazing. Now, Jon Stewart is is just pandering. You know, in his hiatus, he retained some of his independent thinking. He came out and talked with uh, Stephen Colbert about the origins of COVID, believing that COVID was likely made through gain of function research in the Wuhan lab. And Colbert pushed back and said, no, 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 no. And Jon Stewart was like, you have the Wuhan Coronavirus Institute across the street from where they say the virus comes from. And Jon Stewart was correct. But then he ended up doing his weird white privilege thing. I do not believe Jon Stewart will bring back to his show the essence of what made his show popular and prominent among people like me. I go back to Chicago and what do I find? You know where I think my politics lies? I'm from Chicago. I grew up in an urban liberal area, very liberal, but I, I saw the Democrats as being just overly corrupt. Now, we don't have Republicans, so there's no Republican for me to rag on. All the politicians are Democrats. So I'm just like, the system is broke. The Democrats are bad. I enter national politics and the national stage during like, Occupy Wall Street. Once again, Republicans aren't playing a role in the outrage that we young people are experiencing over the, the, the collapse in the housing market and the economy. What that meant. Let me tell you a story. During the crisis, the housing market collapse, the Great Recession, I was a young man looking for work and I was trying to take whatever I could get. I thought maybe I'll just wash dishes at a diner. I found an ad on Craigslist, minimum wage job washing dishes. And I said, I can do this. It'll make me enough money on the side. I'm couch surfing. I need a couple hundred bucks a month. It was only like three hours a day, but I will take what I can get. I walk in to the diner and I've got my little resume and I'm wearing jeans and a button up just like this, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm waiting behind another man who's wearing a suit with a briefcase, who looks like he's 30. I think, what was I, 20, I was 22, uh, 21 or 22. And uh, I hear the guy in front of me with the briefcase say, I'm looking for a job. Here's my resume. I hear you have some openings. And they say, oh, this looks great. Absolutely. We are looking for someone who could start right away. And I just thought to myself, holy crap. I turned around and walked out. I turned around and walked out for two reasons. One, ignorantly, I assumed there's no way I'm, I'm competing with that guy. They're going to hire him in two seconds, not me. Well, you know, experience, wisdom. They don't want to hire someone overqualified. So when this 30-year-old looking guy walks in in a suit and says, I want to wash dishes, they go, are you nuts? You'll quit in two weeks. And they probably were looking for some, somebody more like me. Young guy just needs a couple bucks. The other thing I was feeling was like, this guy needs this job. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'll go play guitar in the subway, man. That's what I did. That was what I went through. So things like that. Occupy Wall Street kicks off and we are all anti-establishment. It had nothing to do with Republicans to me and to any of my friends. It was all the same machine. Barack Obama was the president. So when we protest, when Occupy Wall Street kicks off, it is not about Republican bad or Democrat bad even. It was just they're all the same. The Uniparty. So I like the shows like The Daily, the Daily Show. When they could praise someone like James O'Keefe, it wasn't about whether he was right or left. But now, James O'Keefe, what does Mark Cuban say? Mark Cuban accuses James of lying. James just publishes video, dude. See, I still don't really care all that much about Republican versus Democrat. There are a handful of good Republicans. 
And like Ro Khanna is a pretty good guy on the Democrat side. Republicans are mostly bad. Democrats are mostly bad still to this day. But in our efforts, we've been able to get some good people into the Republican Party. Rand Paul, Ron Paul, these, these have been great guys. There's always been a little bit. John Stewart, I felt when I was younger, represented that middle of the road populist. The machine is busted. Today, John Stewart comes off mostly as representing establishment interests. So with this, they announce he returns. The ship has sailed, my friend. The torch has been passed. There are those of us who want to be honest and reasonable when it comes to politics. And there are those that would lick the boots of the machine. So where are we today? Is Tim Pool a biased actor in much the same way he criticizes Jon Stewart? The answer is no, I'm not. I have my biases. But my point about Jon Stewart and the rest of his ilk that he created is that they will lie to you for the sake of their side. I won't do that. I'll tell you this. Donald Trump wanted to host the G7 at Trump Doral in Miami. And I was very critical of that, saying it provides him with benefit. Trump argued it'll be cheaper for the government if we do it this way. And my response is, you're using government funds to cover the costs of your establishment, whether profitable or not. You're still taking money to your as a conflict of interest. The State Department apparently had been advertising Trump properties. Yeah, not a good thing. I will criticize Donald Trump for that. I recognize that if I went Trump can do no wrong, probably get a lot more viewers. I don't care. I used to watch real time. I used to watch Daily Show. And it mattered to me that they tried to be reasonable, or at least that was the perception. Now, Bill Maher, he's doing better, but the guy's got Trump derangement syndrome. There are a lot of people who have Trump derangement syndrome. I don't care for it. People who argue, you know, Trump on COVID, for instance, he locked us down. He did bad thing. This I will not. Nobody knew what was going on. Conservatives said wear masks in the early days. Fauci came out and said, don't wear a mask. Then it flipped for some reason. I don't know why. All of a sudden, conservatives are like, don't wear masks. They're dirty. They're filthy. I don't play that game. I'm not going to play that game. Donald Trump made mistakes early on. He did what he did. He hired bad people. We eventually learned these people were really bad. More, more documents and data came out about gain-of-function research, who Fauci had, been, Fauci had been funding. And now we say Fauci should be in jail. Hindsight is 2020. And so many people want to come out and blame Donald Trump for everything when there were conservatives on board with all of this. Spare me. Trump is not perfect and did a lot of bad things. I will not condemn the best president we've had over this mistake, which was big in a lot of ways. I could not see the future, nor could he. But we, we learn from those mistakes. The question is, do you solve for them and do better? That's it. But there's a lot of Trump derangement syndrome out there. And now you have, you know, it's really funny is Joy Reid defending adult books for children. But on Twitter, they couldn't even say the word. No, I, I kid you not. Joy Reid tweeted something out about the show and they had to censor the word they want children to see. I'm going to stress that. Joy Reid's show tweeted something out saying this censored, like they said, censored should be a lot available for children. And you're like, wait, 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 I don't even know what you're saying kids should have because you think it's so shocking and egregious. You won't even tell me because it's like a shocking thing to say. Remarkable, isn't it? I say this, man. 
Good luck, John Stewart. I hope he goes back to his roots. I hope he is fair and honest, but I doubt he will be. We will see. Next segment is coming up at 8 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.